Gold. It's your past first point guard and trailblazer reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. We're three days a week in August, so make sure you're checking out your feeds and listening to it. We're trying to go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Last week, we failed because I was out of town briefly. But as you're listening to this episode, I'm out of town again, baby. But through the magic of recording, Sean Hyken is here joining us for another episode. Sean was on Friday's episode. Kind enough to stick around for Monday. Sean, how you doing? I'm good. Dame's going to get traded over the weekend and then like hundred the percent chance. I've been predicting just, that I, because, this is... just because you've been banking episodes so you can go on vacation. Dame is going to get traded like 30 minutes after one of your episodes goes up. Yeah, no, even worse than this. This is my, um, this is our wedding anniversary. Um, and so I'm not taking any of my stuff with me. Cause it's like, I, I'm a good, I'm just trying to be a good partner and, and good, you know, it's like, so I'm not taking no microphone, no, no computers, no nothing. So like, I'm going to be away, truly away from all of this. 100% chance Damian Lillard gets traded this weekend. Not 100%, but high. Very high. It's never been higher than than um, when I have planned to leave Just town. when you, just because you're going on vacation. We should have probably factored, We on the last episode we recorded, we did like our predictions of how this is going to go. And neither of us predicted it's going to happen this weekend. If I had known that you I were didn't leaving tell you. I didn't just tell for you. your That's wedding true. anniversary, I would have said, oh, he's for sure getting traded this weekend. Yeah, I, I kept that under wraps until t- until today's show. But uh, yeah, so I, I'm not here. So if it does happen and you're listening to this and it feels a- outdated, I'll probably have deleted it from using the magic of my cell phone. But um, if you are hearing this, it's because Damian Lillard is still on the team. Uh, as Sean just alluded to, uh, in the podcast in your feeds on from Friday's show, that is uh, August 5th's show. Is that right? August 4th show, excuse Fourth, me. Yeah. Uh, Sean joined us. We talked all about the Damian Lillard drama, all about the saga, all about what we think is going to happen and where kind of we are. But in today's show, I want to switch gears. The Blazers are like every signal they have given as they are. This is the rebuild is upon us. They are going young one way or another. And I think um, I think lost in the Dame stuff a little bit, not by like true optimists out there, but a little bit is like. I think the Blazers are in a pretty fun spot. Like, I think if they could find a resolution with the Dame thing that is, like, palatable, they're they're going to be a team that's easy to root for. Um, I'm pretty excited about Scoot Henderson. I think he's going to be very good. What are what is you know you got to see him up close and personal for 21 whole minutes in Vegas. I saw I saw you on TV. You had great seats. Um, what were your impressions in those 21 minutes of of, of young Scoot? Well, he looks awesome in those again in those 21 minutes and everybody that I've talked to about him and everything I've read and everything I've watched I mean yeah he's he's there is they're they're in a pretty good spot as far as a starting point now when you say when, you know once Dame is traded they're in a fun spot I don't think that's say. the same thing as them being in a good spot like they're going to be like a 26 27 win team at most the next couple Yeah of they, years. I mean like I, I they're they are certain they are almost certainly going to be in the running for worst team in the NBA. Yeah. Um they're yeah. they're not um but that's fine. Like it when you when you're it, you Honestly, I'm not bad at it. I am I am kind of excited about covering a 27 win team with no expectations and then you just get to watch scoot like it's after, you know, I I'll take that over what the last couple of years have been where you start out with all these expectations and then you know, by the middle of the season, all of their good players are shut down and they're like pulling G League guys off the street and like these games are just completely pointless. Like, and then everybody's like speculating about like, oh, well, is Dame going to be happy with another year of a, like a completely no, clean slate? Well, right. Question. We clearly found that out. But 
a completely like a completely clean slate, especially with you know the lottery going the way that it did with them, and also the draft going the way that it did. Because like, I think Brandon Miller's going to be fine. Yeah, but you're a lot less excited about this new era if it's him than if it's Scoot. For me, for sure. Um, I know friend of the program, Raphael Barlow, who's like literally a professional NBA draft scout. He was the only one I know who was consistently Brandon Miller two, Scoot three. Everybody, like legitimate friend, friend of the show. He'll probably be back on here in the near Uh future, and I'll tease him when he gets on here. But pretty much everyone else said Scoot is the second best player in this draft. You know, and in other, you know, even in other situations, he may have gone number one overall, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, it is. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I think there, I like, I think Scoot is going to be darn good. I think he's going to be in the conversation for rookie of the year, but just because like Wemby's going to get load managed basically is that, yeah, Wemby's going to play 65 games. Um, I think Amen Thompson looked awesome in I'm a huge fan of the twins. Yeah. Yeah. He looked awesome, but they also have like, you know, they're, they have older folks ahead of him, Dylan Brooks and, and Van Vliet. Um, so like he's, he's maybe not going to get the rookie of the year is a lot about minutes and opportunity. Scoot's got that minutes and opportunity. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe a SAR Thompson in, in, um, in, in Detroit could be, could be someone who, who, who does it. But I, to me, um, I think Scoot's going to be right up there in like a dude who, who wins hardware. Uh, well, it could, it could be like, honestly, Dame's rookie year where, Yep. Clearly, everybody knew from day one the best player in that draft and the best long-term you know guy in that draft was going to be Anthony Davis. But it takes longer for big men to get used to the NBA level than it does for you know guys like Dane. You know, you, you know what I mean. Like I, I could, I could see it being like, yes, obviously Wemby is the better player and is going to have the better career, but Scoot might have the better rookie season just because it's easier for guys like him to adjust to the NBA than it is for guys. And rookie like of the year when. doesn't always account for like the things that we we just once you hit year three or whatever, everyone's just right. screaming about efficiency and jump shots and blah blah blah. Right. And like right. rookie right. of the year, you're allowed to be like an inefficient volume scorer, and that's like totally cool. And Scoot might be an inefficient volume scorer, and it'll be totally cool. Like um, his pick and roll feel is really fun. He's a mm-hmm. he's a willing he's a willing passer. Um, you know, he might not have that sort of Russell Westbrook top zero zero one percent all-time athleticism but he's a really fun athlete um you know he's like i i'm like you said like i think they're in a fun spot not a good spot and i think scoot is the for me the top of the list at like Mm -hmm. fun but maybe not good yet even the best rookies like john morant was so good as a rookie he wasn't he was like a net negative because it's hard for rookies to be positive contributors like basically it's like how how many rookie point guards can you look at and say, you know, this guy was an impact winning player right away. I think Dame was one. I think Derek Rose was one. I think Chris Paul was one. If you want to count Luca, even though Luca's like bigger for a point, if you, if you want yeah, to count I, Luka, what position does he play? If you, yeah. throw, throw out Luca. I'm basically looking at, you know, I'm looking at Dame. I'm looking at Derek Rose. I'm looking at Chris Paul from the last like 20 years. So it's not, it's Hall- not that many guys. Yeah. Yeah. First ballot hall of famer, League MVP. I don't. Uh, Derek Rose probably end up making the Hall of Fame. Weirdly enough, but um, he's he's well liked. I'll put it like that. Um, uh, yes. Chris, first ballot Hall of Famer, League MVP, first ballot Hall of Famer. Like it's it's a short list yeah. of folks who and are maybe who are pre- Scoot. <laughs> yeah, and Scoop. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not putting that mantle on him or whatever. But certainly, I think that I think the opportunity is there for him. Um, are you do you you think he'll start right? Like assuming that Dame's not there, you you think he's their starting point guard day one? Yes. Yeah. I think it's I th- Scoot and Ant 
and then shaden off the bench at least at first that would be my guess yeah, I've with Matisse Stiebel at the like, three, I would guess. I, that would also be my guess, is, is, is yeah. that Matisse would start at the three. I, I've heard some stuff like, oh, maybe they play, you know, play around with, you know, the idea of putting Shaden at the three. I I think they'll, you know, just, just because of the lack of depth at pretty much every position besides guard, they're going to have to mix and match and do some of that stuff. Like, I think Nasir Little is kind of overlooked in this stuff. If he can stay healthy for an extended amount of time, which has always kind of been the issue with him throughout his whole career, he could get in the mix there. Like, I think Chris Murray, who they just drafted, the idea with him taking him at 23 was that he's going to be, like, pretty plug-and-play, and he'd be able to actually contribute from day one. So they're going to have options. If I had to handicap it again, we're two months away from the start of training camp when we're recording this. My guess today, assuming that Dame is traded and is not part of the team on opening night, is that their starting lineup will be Scoot, Ant, Matisse, Jeremy, and... This is the other thing we, I don't even think. Yeah, the Nurk thing is so We didn't get yeah, to, we yeah, didn't yeah. get to this in the, I mean, if obviously if Nurk is here, he'll be a starter. My assumption has been from the beginning that whatever the Dame trade is, Nurk's salary and getting that off your books is going to be part of it. But yeah, I've also thought it was a lock that Nurk was going to get traded the last two trade deadlines in a row and it did not happen. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of out of the tr- predicting Nurk is going to be traded <laughs> business until further. Yeah, notice. no, no, have retired from that game. Yeah, no, Nurk is the big question, right? Like, it, obviously, I don't think they want Nurk to be involved in the next iteration of this team, but they there is some value, and I've made this case before. Um, if you're choosing between keep like a like a crappy deal for Nurk or just like keeping him around for mm-hmm. this season and taking a crappy deal down the line, I would probably rather have Nurk because your other options, it the drop off to who else is going to be like a 30 minute a night center in the league is pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can experience that in the 17 games Nurk is guaranteed to miss this season. So, like, you can just you can just go ahead and like run that experiment. Um, let's talk Shaden Sharp because I think we're both pretty high on Scoot. Um, I want to ask you about Shaden Sharp in the second segment, listeners? Join us there, won't you? Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, and it's football season. FanDuel's giving you a chance to win all season long because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win. In the regular season. That's right. Pick a winner of the big game in February. And then each win they tally along the way in the regular season. FanDuel is going to give you bonus bets for each and every one of them. W's. You can use your bonus bets on things like spreads, on player props, on over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locks on. Start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. All right. Still chatting with Sean Hyken of Rose Garden Reports. We talked Scoot Henderson. Me and you are believers. Um, I think there was a time last year when Shaden Sharp was um, had probably t- taken the mantle as, as the most exciting player on this team. Um, maybe Scoot has passed him now. But what are your expectations for Shaden in year two, Sean? I think what you expect out of him is going to come down a lot to how he looks on the defensive end. Because, like, I think the shooting is legit. I think the shooting is going to be there. We know what kind of athlete he is. We know what kind of what he does as far as rim pressure. He's going to have to be more consistent defensively. And I think, I think to his credit, he started looking a lot more comfortable on that end of the floor towards the end of the year. And this is something that, you know, from the beginning of training camp, like we were, you know, he was such an enigma to all of us because nobody saw him play 
coming into the draft because he didn't actually play at Kentucky. And then he gets hurt five minutes into his first summer league game. So going into training camp and going into the preseason, most of us hadn't really seen him. And one of the things that Chauncey and Dame have both, you know, talked about with Shaden is that he comes in early on. If he doesn't know one of the sets, you explain it to him once and then he's just got it. Like you don't need to explain stuff to him multiple times. It just clicks for him. And I think the other thing is that over the, over the course of the season, it's not even just like the, you know, being more comfortable with NBA sets and, you know, getting used to the physicality. Because for him, you basically, because he didn't actually play at Kentucky and didn't play at the college level, he basically jumped from playing against high school competition to being in the NBA. And so I think the physical part of it was part of it. But I think there was also an element of he hadn't gone through like a season in college where like, this is how hard you have to work. This is how much extra film you have to watch. And I think that's something that he picked up. Because I think early on during the season, there was some talk that like, oh, you know, is he just one of these guys that's like so physically talented but doesn't love the game? You don't, you, you, you know, it, is it just so easy for him that he's not going to put in the extra work? I did hear over the course of the season that it kind of gradually started to set in for him. Okay, this is what I have to do in order to get to the level that I want to get to. And now I'm you know, I'm willing to put in the work. I will say this, and I think this is an encouraging sign. Him playing Summer League this year, going into year two, that was his decision. I They weren't going to make him play. He was... I, I had kind of talked to people, you know, in the organization about it, and they said, yeah, you know, we might have him play one or two games just to do it and then shut him down. But apparently, you know, I think he said this at exit interviews when he was meeting with the front office and talking about, like, their expectations. He said to them, like, no, I want to play Summer League. I want to actually go be out there and get better. And I think the fact that he went to them and said, I want to play Summer League, even though, you know, most second-year guys, especially guys who were top 10 lottery picks, could very easily, you know, have the excuse to not play Summer League because they just don't feel like it. I think the fact that he proactively said, no, I want to do this, I think that's an encouraging sign for... You know, some of some of that side of it that maybe there were questions about early on with him. I think that a lot of that stuff is, is is something you can look at as encouraging. Yeah, I think people still think he might be too cool. I think that's a concern people have. Well, it's, He's just, gotta... it's, just, it's a Tracy McGrady thing where, like, Tracy McGrady, there was an entire career, he looked like he was, like, sleepwalking through everything just because he had such, like, a calm like demeanor with like his facial expressions that like didn't really change and you by the way you kind of saw that change a little bit this year at summer league in that first game uh he he dunks on i think it was it was either cam whitmore or jabari smith i forget who it was but he had a, i think it was cam yeah it was cam whitmore and then he was like talking to him and i was like well, okay we never saw that from him last year so if he's if he's coming out of and honestly you kind of started to see this with like from a, from a media standpoint too like Early on last year, I don't remember if you were at those pre-draft workouts or not before the 2022 draft. No, I miss, I missed those. And even like his early press conference, like after the after he oh he drafted, rocked me at media day. He just I just I tried to get something out was, of him. Yeah, you were at media day. That's right. He, it's just two word answers. He's yeah. still not he's still not a good quote unquote. He's like still not a good quote. But he yeah, has definitely talker, yeah. he's definitely started to come out of his shell a little bit more. And I think going into year two part of it especially if like dame is gone and now he has to take more of a leadership mantle i think you know there's reason to believe that maybe he's a little bit more ready for something like that than he was going into his rookie season 
Yeah, I, I, I think the 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 talk the, your point about the mental preparation stuff, like mm-hmm. how does how to be a pro, is a thing that people totally underrate about the rookie transition. It's not just basketball and the language and the speed and all that. If it's like, what do I do if we play Tuesday and Thursday? What do I do on Wednesday to get my body right, to get my mind right, to get like to get to be ready to go? Because on Friday we leave, on Saturday we play, on Sunday we try. It's like you know, you just you, the it is relentless. And if you aren't, if you don't have a routine and a rhythm and a here's when I watch film and here's who, here's where I get a little bit of extra side work and here's days I don't get side work because I need to rest. Like, you like just, this is what uh, I have to eat at this specific time or this. Right. Like, we have like chefs, like chefs on staff that make sure guys are eating the right things or like. These are the days, and this is something Dame has actually talked about too, coming back from, you know, his injury was like, there are some days where it's better to not work out, to give your body oh, a yeah. chance to recover. Especially when and that's, the, yeah. that's the kind of stuff you learn when you're a pro that maybe you didn't know when you were playing AAU or playing in high school, and it's all that kind of stuff, and I think, you know, you talk to Anthony Simons, who also, you know, early on had kind of some of the same like oh is he really putting in all the extra work that he needs to put in eventually that stuff all clicked for him and i i think there's reason to believe that that is clicking for Shaden now what do you make um just to just because you mentioned simons what do you make of their like three guard situation i obviously i think we both think that ant is going to start but it does feel like are we doing this again with with like uh, playing Amphrey Simons again at shooting guard is like this is the same thing we've seen a bunch. What do you kind of make of that rotation and how how it all how it might or could shake out? The fact that Shaden is bigger than Norman Powell makes it a little bit more palatable to me. But it's yeah, he's still, also but he's he's twenty. Yeah, it's still not an idea. No, I'm just talking about as far as like a size and skill set thing. And also the other the other thing also is that Scoot and Simons are not nearly as similar of players as Dame and Simons are. Like they're very right. different. And, and, like it's 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 a little bit less overlapping skill sets than like the Dame CJ thing was or the, the Dame Ant thing was. I don't know how good they're gonna be necessarily because like we were talking about, they're probably gonna be a twenty seven win team for the next couple of years at least. But the skill sets year, of, yeah. of the guys that we're talking about here are a little bit less duplicating of each other than maybe it was under the previous iteration of this. Yeah. I, I, I worry, not worry. I think it's been pretty obvious that the good teams in the league have plus length at shooting guard, small forward and power forward. I think that's just like the, the good teams are, the good teams are bigger in the middle in the Mm -hmm. middle of the lineup. Um, You can get away with it being a little smaller at the five, sort of unless you have to play against the champs um but it's but uh like i just think the future of this team is shade and sharp playing shooting guard at some point I but i i don't know i don't think you have to solve that amphrey simons thing like now i think well, there are some fans they're gonna be who bad love, this year no matter what yeah. like you know yeah if, and, and by the way like we're talking we were talking in the dame episode about like Tyler Hero doesn't have a ton of trade value. I don't think Ant has a ton of trade value either. They're no, kind of I don't like, think that arc. Yeah, they're like similar types. You can land wherever you want to land on which one you think is better than the other. But that similar type of player in that similar type of age range on that similar type of of contract, like that. You know, it you're going to be bad yeah. no matter what. So it's like I, it's not like you. It's not like you because if they could have traded Ant for like OG Ananobi or something like that, then they would have done that. And 
right. we wouldn't be having this conversation because Dame wouldn't be asking out. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I agree with you. I think that archetype of like not quite a point guard, defensive defensive issues or defensive struggles, score first, two guard, uh, yeah. mostly those guys' production outweighs their trade value. It's like Tyler Hill's yeah. pretty good. Amphrey Simon's you can pretty find, good. You can find guys like, maybe not quite as good, but you can find guys like that. Not very, like it's pretty easy. It is easier. Scoring is both the uh, most valuable skill because scoring matters, but it's also the skill that you can duplicate. You can find at other parts of the, mm-hmm. of, of the, of up and down the roster one, yeah. one way or another. Um, okay. Let's close the show. I want to ask you about everybody else that isn't the three guards uh, because you, you mentioned Nazir Little and, and, and uh, Chris Murray a little bit. I want to ask you sort of how you think those pieces fit, albeit with a, uh, incomplete roster. Let's uh, let's talk about that to close the show. Join us in the third segment, won't you? Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Lockdown Blazers. Still chatting with Sean Hyken of the Rose Garden Report. So I think we kind of both have the same guess for the starting lineup. Um, that means Shaden Sharp is your sixth man. I think the top six is pretty much a lock. How do the other pieces fit? And let, we can go through them one by one. If... We're going to get a little bit of Matisse Thibel at small forward and a little bit of Shaden Sharp playing some small forward and moving down to the two. Where does someone like Nazir Little fit into the rotation? Is he a is he a guaranteed night one contributor? Or I mean, I think he is, but like, what is his level of where do you see his sort of level of contributions early? Uh, obviously, asterisks, asterisks, asterisks. We have no idea what, how the Damian Lillard situation plays out as right. of right now. Well, the thing with Nasir, and this has been the thing the whole time with him, is can he stay healthy? And you, this kind of went under the radar, but after the after this past season ended, he had because remember last summer, you know, he had the shoulder surgery that was like why he missed the, you know most of the season, but then he also had the same core surgery that Dame had. He had right, that right, on right. one side, and then this past year, like right after the season ended, he had the same core surgery on the other side. Okay. I don't know if you remember that, but they sent this press. Release I remember out. the press release. I remember right, the press right, release, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And I don't think that's a very serious thing. Like, he came back from that fine last year. Like, that's not... Unless you're Gary Payton, that's, like, not an injury that, like, it lingers and is, like, hard to come back from. But uh, the... If he's healthy, I think there is a real chance for him to earn minutes just because the wing is such a weak point for right. him. Like, they have the backcourt. They've got the guard. Like, that's taken care of. They have no front court depth. And then also, like, their wing depth, like... They also like like yeah like I would I would guess today August second two months before the start of training camp I would guess that Matisse Thybul probably starts with a three but I could also see that being a similar situation to last year because remember going into last training camp the question was who's going to start at the three is it going to be Nasir Little or is it going to be Josh Hart I could and I think going into it most of us thought and maybe maybe we should have taken the health thing into account but like. Nasir was, you know, at the time, remember, like, he hadn't gotten his contract extension yet, so that was, and he admitted that later, that he it was, like, weighing on him mentally, and that that was kind of distracting to him, and that interfered with how he played during the preseason and during camp, and then he was also physically still getting back to where he was before the shoulder injury that he had during the, the season before that. So if he comes into camp before, uh, you know, with with you know physically he's totally right now he's you know he's got his contract he's got his money he doesn't have to think about like his future or his job security or whatever i don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that he comes in and wins the starting small forward spot in training camp 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. He was way worse than Josh Hart, so I think even when we were doing this yes, last year, and, it was like and that was like and that was again because A, he was stressed out about his contract extension, and B because he was still like physically getting back from the shoulder injury. So like And C come, Josh Hart's just way better than him. I yes. Think, but. Well, yes, I think <laughs> I think size wise, if Nasir had been better, that's who they would oh, have yeah. liked. And that's why and that's why I think and that's why I think he's got a shot here too. Like I, th- I I don't know. I think I think it's up in the air. I would give the edge again two months before camp starts. These are questions that get answered in October and not in August. Yeah. As of right now, my prediction is that the opening night starter at small forward is Matisse Thibel, but I don't think that's like a hundred percent lock set yeah, in stone the, by any the, means. And the gap, the the difference, just in terms of like overall talent, the gap between Josh and Nas is not the same as the gap between Tease and Nas. Correct. Matisse has too many questions, too many questions on offense to be a, a stone cold lock. I would agree. But he's a, he's a really good defensive player. Um, yes. He's a really good defensive player. I would agree. Um, what about the youngsters? Like the Blazers don't have back. Uh, obviously they're going to have to do something at center. So we can just kind of ignore that because we don't yeah. even know what the deal is with Nurk. But like, I am very I, intrigued I, by Ibu Baji, by the way. I know he's like, he's, he's still like, he's in the, he's in the Bruno Caboclo two years away from being two years away category. And I think he's going to get a lot of minutes with the Rip City remix. Over yeah. At, he's going to be a mixers, mixers legend. I'm definitely going to go check him yeah. out. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but so I, I'm actually intrigued by him, but like, is he actually right now ready to be a good NBA player? No, absolutely not. Yeah, here, here's the thing. Like, if they're one of the worst teams in the league, it doesn't really matter if Ibubaji no. plays 15 minutes a night. Like, that's no. totally fine. But I don't think they're going to do that from night one. No. Like, they might end up there, but I don't think they'll do that from – I think that's something you do after Christmas, right? right. Yeah, you, like, hit, so, you hit yeah. the new year and you're like, yeah, well, we're 40 games into this thing and we are not good. And we're totally okay with that. So let's do something a little bit different. Uh-huh. Um, and, and But I don't think they'll do that right away. But at Power Forward, is, they got Jeremy Grant, um, who is had a, just had a great summer. I've, I'm, what a great yeah. what a great summer for Jeremy Grant. Get got the bag. Now. Yeah, get the bag. Get a kid. Um, what, a, what a freaking weekend. Or what a freaking offseason. I mean, uh, freaking weekend is just in my brain. I apologize to everyone. Um, where did Jabari Walker and Chris Murray fit? I think both of them are sort of interchangeably threes and fours, but I don't think both of them play. Who do you, where do you kind of lean with those two gentlemen heading into the early part of the season? I mean, you'd give the edge, I would think to Jabari Walker, just off of seniority. I think, yeah, I think they were similar types of draft picks in the sense that like in the lottery, they went with the super high upside Shaden Sharp, Scoot Henderson. And then in their, you know, back end of the like, in, in Jabari Walker's case, it was like the end of the second round. And then in, in Chris Murray's case, it was like the middle of the first round, like late, you know, post lottery. You went for the guy that is a little bit more of like a plug and play. You know, you can play him, you know, old, maybe older college player guy that, you know, a little bit lower, mist- lower upside, but like higher floor, low mistake type of guy. They really like Jabari Walker. And I do, I, I my understanding is that part of the reason that they decided to waive Trendon Watford before his guarantee date was, I mean, part of it was like the thing we talked about earlier about like wanting to keep roster spots open to, uh, you know, make a to, trade to with Miami facilitate Heat. <laughs> the Dame trade or whatever, but they view Jabari Walker and Trendon Watford as like pretty redundant skill wise and positionally. And they think that trend that Jabari Walker is a lot better, especially defensively. That's, that I, def- think, I think he definitely has more upside on defense. Uh, um, that's that's. But the p- point is, they they really like Jabari Walker. They think he's gonna be really good. Like that. That's, well, he's he he is this 
regime's guy as opposed to Watford, who was the previous, you know, signed out of um, prior to to Neil getting um, right, right, axed. Right. But then, but then Cronin, one of the first things he did was give uh, Trent a Watford Convert a real his contract, contract. To a real yeah, contract. So yeah, certainly, certainly he liked Watford. Um, so and Jabari I, had a really good summer league. Yeah, he did. So he. he Kind of early on in Jabari's rookie season, I thought he was going to end up being a contributor. But then by the middle of the year, he just wasn't – couldn't shoot. And his decision-making on offense yeah. is pretty rough. But that's all um, – that's rookie stuff, though. Yeah, like, of course. I was going to say that's – He's a really smart – he's a really smart guy and really self-aware. Like, I was – I mean, I think I've talked about this on here before. I know I've talked about it on my own show. I've talked about it before. But I'm – I was still so – like, I, the – the when it clicked for – or when – as soon as, like, it, I realized, you know, early on with him having him last year at Summer League. Such God, a good interview. Such a good talker, yeah. Well, but also just the level of self-awareness that he had as a 19-year-old kid about, like, he comes in and says, like – and maybe part of this is that his dad was a 10-year NBA veteran who was never a go-to scorer who taught him from a young age that – you have to, you know, be able to rebound and play defense and do other stuff to stay on the floor if you're never going to be like a 20-point scorer. And he came in, like, he was talking to us, like, after some of these summer league practices in Las Vegas about how people say I'm a role player, and I don't consider that an insult because you can make a lot of money being a role player. And I'm just like, 19-year-old kid is already calling himself a role player and saying that you can have a 10-year career being a role player. Like, okay, he's going to be fine. He's going he's yeah. to find oh, a yeah. way to stick in the league for a long time. Yeah, he was. I had him on the podcast like after, right after I remember his this, contract, yeah. and he was great. He was. I was like, I hope it works out for you because you are such a like you're just a he's good. So dude thoughtful, to talk to. He's so yeah, self aware. Exactly. It's great. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, Chris Murray, you think he's? If you had to guess, he's probably out of the rotation on night one and works his way in, or what do you think? Well, the pro the thing is, they just have no depth outside of the backcourt, like. Right. You, I guess. I guess like it's like interchangeably like three or four, but like also if you don't do anything new with the center position, if it's still just Nurk and then like Ibu Baji, you're gonna have to play Jabari at the five. You're gonna have to play Jeremy at the five, Jeremy and that's gonna five, open yeah. up some minutes for somebody. Like, I think Chris Murray. Like Chris Murray's in kind of a weird spot because I think he's too good to get minutes on the G League team. Right. Right. But do they consistently have spots for him? in the rotation. I don't know. Well, I think the value of having the G league team be right in town, which is one yeah. of the big reasons that they emphasized it is that they can send him to the G league on a Wednesday and have him be back totally later yeah. that night. And it's like, and just like, Hey, go play. Cause you're not going to play on, you know, we have a game Friday. Get the reps where, in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where you're probably I'm very, not play. <laughs> I'm very curious. And this is a guy that is definitely going to be playing a lot of minutes with the rip city remakes. I am very curious about Rayon repair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't He's, know much about him. He looked he looked pretty rough at Summer League. You could see some of the like it's one of those like okay, he's he he might take a year or two to become like an actual NBA rotation player, but I'm I'm very intrigued by him. Yeah, he's he's long and he's really competitive on defense. He looked particularly early in summer league, the first couple games, he looks so bad on offense. It's like, mm -hmm. "Oh, he doesn't he doesn't like he can't dribble, he doesn't like he's just like just didn't this have is, it. This is why it's good they've got a G League team now. Yeah, exactly. Get him a bunch of minutes. So, yeah, I'm excited to watch uh, our beloved mixers in action uh, over at the uh, Child Center. <laughs> I live in North Portland, so it's very easy for me to get to that arena. So I'm going to I'm I plan to be there often this year. Yeah, I, mean, I, I also am a North Portland resident because, folks, if you live outside the city, that's where people like Sean and I can afford to live. Um, all right, let's uh, Sean, do you want to come back for one more episode? We'll play a game. How's that sound? Let's do it, man. 
All right, dear listeners, come back for Wednesday's show. Sean Hyken is going to be here, and we're going to play a game of over-under, where I've got overs and unders to pitch to Sean. He's going to make picks. We'll talk about it. It's going to be fun. Come back and join us for Wednesday's show. For the, in the meantime, tell your friends about the podcast. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>